We're talking about working moms and integrating a work-life balance today with Dr. Elizabeth Arlo, who's the author of First, Eat Your Frog, and Other Pearls for Professional Working Mothers. She's actually a radiologist and has written this book based on her own life experience as far as being a working mom, managing a family, integrating work-life balance. And she's got this amazing formula she's going to share with us. So let's get into this interview. Dr. Elizabeth, I'm so excited to have you today. This is such an important conversation as a working mom myself, and you also are a working mom, so you get it. I think this is a topic that's not talked about enough, and I'm so excited you're bringing light to it. Before we jump in, I have tons of questions. Can you introduce yourself to us? Sure. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you about such an important topic that so many of us deal with every single day. Um I'm Elizabeth Arleo. I'm professor of radiology at Wild Cornell in New York City, where I practice breast and body imaging. I'm also editor-in-chief of the Radiology Journal of Clinical Imaging, and I have three girls, ages 14, 11, and 6. Wow, you are busy. We all are, yes. <laughs> You're very busy, and I'm just going to say it. We say whatever we want on this podcast. You're badass in my eyes. Um, I think that you 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 wrote a book. You forgot to mention that part. You wrote a book and that's a big deal. As a mom, as a woman, you're like setting these amazing examples for your daughters. So you badass is a high compliment, which I <laughs> with gratitude. And yes, I should own it and say yes. And now I'm also an author. Um, you know, these are pandemic uh, pages. I wrote this book in uh, basically the first quarter of 2021, when so many of us in the whole world was having a really, really challenging time, um, trying to keep managing working while kids were remote from home and there was lockdown in place. And writing has always been somewhat therapeutic for me. And I started writing this book really just to boil it down to the essentials of like, what are the most important lessons I've learned in the last like almost decade and a half since I first became a working mother that I can turn to as my Bible to like just survive this and other really, really challenging times. Yeah, I love that you did that. And I think it's definitely something you should be bragging about. Um, So I want to talk about working moms today. And it is a topic that's hot because a lot of moms are working moms and they're also expected to be everything else. So to jump in, are working moms more vulnerable to overwhelm and why? If so, why? Yeah, it's such a great question. And the data supports that, yes, working moms are overwhelmed. Um, According to a 2022 Harris poll, 45% of working mothers were diagnosed with anxiety and depression compared with 28% of the general population and 25% of co-workers without kids. And why is this? I, I would say because we are dealing with the literally the double whammy of trying to navigate our careers and motherhood. And, you know, because it's this twofold challenge, it, instead of just one, you know, many women and I myself included at times can begin to feel like a failure because it's just so hard to do both. But it, it's, I would say it's not an individual failure. It's a systemic failure to some degree. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And I also think that the social media plays such a huge role in this overwhelm because 
before social media, you could be a working mom and come home and do your mom things. And yes, you're overwhelmed because that's a lot. But now as a 34-year-old working mom on social media, I come home or I'm done with the workday. I'm tired. I have to be a mom. And then I see on the internet, all these moms doing so many cool sensory activities, going to the park, going here, going there, painting with their kids. And I'm like, how the hell? I am so overwhelmed with literally doing the basic things. And now I have all these other things that I'm like, am I doing enough? Would you agree that social media plays a huge role in that overwhelm in, for moms in general? I, I would say probably um, yes. And so one of my um, lessons learned is to don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And I have to say, I say this to myself, I think multiple times a day, talking to myself, talking to my daughters. And this comes from a quotation from Voltaire, who was a French philosopher in the 1700s, who's you know just as famous today because his words of wisdom hold true. And don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. What this means for me as a recovering perfectionist is, you know, if there's, um, aside from patient care, where I still try, strive to achieve as humanly possible, close to perfection as possible. But aside from patient care as a physician, if there's a task at home or at work, I try to be a satisfier. Like I try to set criteria for it. And once those criteria are met, then I'm done. I'm satisfied. So for example, if I'm looking for a restaurant, for, you know, for a date night with my husband this week, I might set the criteria. Okay, I want, you know, good Mexican food with an excellent happy hour within two mile radius. And once I get those criteria, like I'm done. I'm, you know, I'm not going to have to remind myself not to keep scrolling through for that perfect restaurant because that perfect restaurant doesn't exist. And, you know, striving for perfection is not healthy. And it's important to remind ourselves of this because striving for something that's not obtainable can lead to feelings of anxiety and depression as came up with our opening question. So I try to remember, you know, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And when feelings of, you know, overwhelm come from looking at social media, I think you can just, you know, talk that people can say that to themselves and go back to whatever basics they are doing. Yeah. You know what I like to call that? I actually have talked about this in a few episodes recently. I call that overconsumption. We are overconsuming information and that's creating this like imposter-like behavior where for me, if I find myself getting negative in my head, like I could be doing this, I should be doing this, I am going to be better because of this. And the more I do that kind of stuff, the more I feel anxious and depressed. And then I just shut down and don't do anything. So I, my goal is to always like consume less. Yes. And I like the Mexican restaurant thing. Like just, just pick one and go with it. As long as there's a good margarita. <laughs> I am very satisfied. <laughs> uh, so what kind of stressors are working mom managing? Yeah, so, so many. I mean, again, I think it comes back to the fact that working moms are handling, it's really a double whammy, right? It's motherhood and the career. And I think, um, unfortunately, our, our world is just not set up to support working women doing both. Politically, there's still no uh, paid family medical leave at the national level. You know, economically, high quality childcare is hard to come by and very expensive. And culturally, at, at work, it's still like this double bind, walking the tightrope, where on the one hand, if women are too quiet and they don't speak up about their accomplishments, they may be passed over for, for promotion. But on the other hand, if they do speak up a lot, 
then they may be viewed as assertive or too bossy and not like. So even if a woman is lucky enough to have the most supportive partner at home, it's still a double whammy navigating both motherhood and career. And so again, it can be incredibly stressful and overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. All the things you just said is like, I wish there was an answer. I wish there was a solution, but it's so true. Women, you know, like you said, women are viewed as a certain way, no matter what they do. It it can never just be enough. Um, Are you finding that working moms are struggling with time management? And if so, how can we improve that? Absolutely. Again, I think, you know, working moms are challenged with time management. I know I am because, again, there's this this double whammy of motherhood and career. Um, In my book, First Eat Your Frog and Other Pearls for Professional Working Mothers, this is such an important topic that I devote an entire, it's actually the longest chapter in the book devoted just to this topic of planning uh, and time management. But I'll say just in brief, um, highlight my top three planning resources, which is number one, um, Getting Things Done by David Allen. This is an oldie, but a goodie, a book. And this um, methodology is really like a um, bottom up approach. Then um, number two, Full Focus Planner by Michael Hyatt. If you still like um, paper and pens, this is a more top-down approach. And then sort of tying it all together, I use the app, the free version, Todoist, to have that technology, that accountability. And I would say, whereas there's no like foolproof method, for me, using these three resources together makes it such that even if I don't hit every you know planning session every single time, I'm pretty much not dropping the ball, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So you have three different resources you've given us for time management. What is this app? I'm curious, like, what does it do? What What does it look like? To do is there's a free version and I have no um, financial connections to yeah. any of the sources that I have mentioned, but um, I have used um, all of them in the past fi- almost 15 years. So to do is, um, is a way that you can... Um, organize projects and you can organize them by context, which is what David Allen recommends in his book, Getting Things Done. So I can have a list like at office. So when I'm physically in the office, like I look, okay, I arrived at the office. These are the things that I know I have to take care of here. And when I'm not in the office, I'm not even going to think about taking care of those things, you know, or at errands. So if I'm out and about and I find I have like, what do I do? I need to get anything. Oh yeah. Okay. So I check my at errands list. No. Um, and with every entry that you put in, you can you can keep it general or you can add a due date or when you want to start working on it. And then I also add in, in parentheses, like a time estimate for how long I think it's going to take me to do whatever. Erring on the generous side, because things always take longer than we expect or kids interrupt or, you know, vomit on our screens or whatever it is. Stuff happens. So, but I think in terms of time management, it's important to come back to one of my other favorite pearls in the book, which is that it's important to think about time in 168 instead of 24 hour chunks, which I can talk about a little more. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely want to hear. I think I have a question about what some of your like important takeaways are from the book. So maybe we can save that. As a radiologist, how has your time given you your understanding of stress and overwhelm that working moms are managing? Well, you know, in several different ways, you know, radiology is my work, uh, my professional work, and I'm still at the same time taking care of my three kids and doing both in 168 hours. 
Also, because I subspecialize in breast imaging, my colleagues are mostly women, um, most of whom, many of whom have children or are looking forward to doing so. And many or most of my patients are women who have had children or are looking forward to doing so. So I'm surrounded by women who are, you know, also now or looking forward in the future to, you know, juggling this uh, double whammy um, while also dealing with the need to take care of themselves through appropriate, you know, screening. So I would say also that a lot of what I do in breast imaging is, is, you know, managing anxiety related to screening and diagnostic imaging and the results. And this is anxiety, which I completely understand, not only as a physician, but also as a woman over 40 now myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to have somebody. So when someone's going through something like radiology study of their breasts, obviously that's already triggering at baseline, right? And then you possibly have findings and then you have to talk to the radiologist and all of that is stressful. And these people look to you and you can give them this, like, not only you can give them this like professional side of you, but also like, I'm a mom, I'm a woman, I get it. And you took all of that and you made something completely separate from radiology. Yes, your career kind of drove you to this, like where you are with your book. But I think it's extremely special that you were like, no, I want to talk to moms about this because this is important. So I think that's very special that you did that. So your book's name is First Eat Your Frog and Other Pearls for Professional Working Mothers. I love that. First Eat Your Frog. (laughs) What does that even mean? And by the way, it's really pretty. I read, I like looked it up on Amazon. I read the reviews. I have not read it yet, but now I want to. Um, What does Eat Your Frog mean? And how does it doing so help working moms to perform in their workplace? Yes, thank you to my publisher, Armin Lear, who came up with this brilliant, really brilliant and beautiful cover. So um, the title, First Eat Your Frog, comes from a quotation attributed to Mark Twain, who said, if it's your job to eat a frog, it's best to eat it first thing in the morning. And if it's your job to eat two frogs, it's best to start with the larger one, meaning it's important to take care. It's best to take care of the most important thing you need to do as early as possible in the day, week, or whatever time frame you're dealing with. And I've had this quotation posted on my office wall for years. And, um, you know, how does this help us as professional working mothers? I would say in two ways, you know, one, it sets us up for success because, you know, come what may, the most important thing has been taken care of. And secondly, it, um, you know, lessens your mental load, where mental load is defined as all the the mental work, the organizing, the list making, the planning that you do to manage your life and those dependent on you. So, for example, um, also as a public service announcement, the American College of Radiology and Society of Breast Imaging recommend annual screening mammography starting at age 40 for women of average risk of breast cancer and continuing for as long as a woman is in good health. And yet screening is often, you know, anxiety provoking for many women, myself included, as we were talking about. So I like to schedule my annual screening mammogram as early as possible in the month, week, day that I'm having it done to set myself up for success, taking care of myself physically so I can take care of others. And, you know, also lessening the the mental load of anxiety, you know, waiting to to have it done. Mm. Do you have any tips on how people can decide what their frog is? You know, like you feel like everything is so important. Uh, as a mom, you feel like this is and this is important. But then at the workplace, you feel like this, this, this is important. How do you decide what the most important thing is to do first? 
It's such a great question. And that's why sometimes context is, you know, best if you're still physically going into an office um, uh, or just going into your home office, you can save, you know, you can have a work frog and a personal frog, whatever works best for you. But I think you you know your frog when like, think about what of all this, this long to-do list, when I'm done with that, will I feel like, okay, I've done the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. When, when you found that, that's your frog. Yeah, I I typically leave the frog for last. <laughs> I hate to like I I just it's the thing that's on there on the list forever, and it's like I know I need to do it. Why is it the frog is always the hardest thing to do mentally? And, and may I ask, do you find yourself like you thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it until you yeah. do it, even yeah. when you're doing it? So all that time and mental energy could be like, if you just ate your frog and took care of it, you could put that that bandwidth to doing something else. Yeah. Like a fabulous Mexican restaurant with you know, yeah. for, for date night. Um, so that's why it's important that you mean you, that's such a great question because you literally demonstrated the, the, the issue of a mental load. So yeah. um, it doesn't mean eating your frog is easy, but it's just like, I'm going to sit down, put on my seatbelt and eat my frog. Um, and then, you know, come what may, the, the rest of the day could go to pieces, but it's been a success because I took care of that most important thing. Yeah. Have you read the book, The Five Second Rule by Mel Robinson? I'm familiar with the rule and definitely um, put it into place. There's yeah. So it, it kind of reminds me of, so you have your frog, right? And it's, I feel like the frog for me is like the impossible task, kind of like the time between, you know you have to take a shower. Maybe this doesn't apply to you, but it does to me. You know you need to take a shower. It's important. You're going to feel really good afterwards. But the time between that thought and actually getting in the shower feels so impossible. And I call those like impossible tasks. And then once you're in the shower, you're like, oh my God, it's done. I did it. I feel amazing. So when I think about the five second rule, I think... The five second rule is supposed to make you do something without really thinking about it too much. You're like tricking your brain. You count backwards from five and then you have to make a physical move and it works. I've done it, but I just forget to do it. And then I dwell on that frog. I hear you. Yeah. So I have to, I guess I just have to figure out a way to eat my frog first and just be done with it. Well, you can... Um, post it on a sticky on you know on your front of your computer wherever you see it honestly seeing that for many years it sort of became a mantra and then that became a book yeah literally like when I visual when I visually see something I'm so much more likely to practice it um in your in your book there are eight lessons for work-life integration what are the most important ones you would say all of them are really just are essential. And yet I would say three of my favorites are first, eat your frog, as we just discussed. Um, second, it's helpful to think about time in 168 instead of 24-hour chunks. And third, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, as we also discussed. Yeah, I would love to hear a little bit more about the time. I'm I'm intrigued. Yes. Yes. So, you know, the the equation is that we all have 24 hours a day, seven days a week equaling 168 hours a week. So the fact of the math is, is that even if you work 50 hours a week, which is more than most, and you sleep 56 hours a week, which would be eight hours a night, which sounds absolutely delicious to most professional working mothers, then you still have over 60 hours after work and sleep for to take care of the things you need and want to do for yourself, 
your family, your friends, and your community. And so I think, how does this help us as professional working mothers? Well, I think it's helpful because it somewhat lessens the pressure. In other words, while you can't have it all or do it all within 24 hours, the fact of the math is there is time for your priorities when you think about it in the 168-hour elongated way. So when someone says, you know, uh, I, I don't have time for that, you know, that's not necessarily true. It might be more accurate to say it, you know, that's just not a priority. And that's fine because everybody has different priorities. And it's just important to have you know, clarity about what your priorities are and then slot it into those 60 plus hours you have after work and sleep. Wow. That's such an interesting, I'm such a uh, numbers geek. And my therapist had me do a time audit. Have you ever done a time personal time audit? Oh my God. I was doing like 500 hours in in like eight hour workday. I was trying to fit in so much in like less than an eight hour workday. And I work from home and I own my own business. So my work boundaries are extremely difficult because you just kind of, you know, you just kind of don't know when to stop. And so the time audit really put a lot of things into perspective. And I love that you talk about that 60 hours because it it makes you think like, okay, I don't have to do it all in one day. I can spread it out throughout the week. So I love that. In your book, you talk about the growth mindset. How would you define a growth mindset and how can that mindset be achieved? Yeah, so... Growth mindset was a term defined by a psychologist named Carol Dweck in the 1990s, defined as an individual's perception that their abilities can be developed through hard work and commitment to learning. And this is in contrast to um, a fixed mindset where people feel like their basic qualities are fixed and just can't be altered. And I think this is really important because there, there are many ways you can develop a growth mindset. Um, three of my favorites are, um, number one, having just an awareness of your vocabulary. For example, if you or, you know, if you have a daughter, you hear your daughter saying, I'm not good at math. Add the word yet. That three little word yet. I'm not good at math yet, but I can put in the time and effort and get better at it. Or for me, like during the pandemic, I love to eat, but I said, I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to cook yet. Mm. And I my way through, you know, a number of cookbooks. And, um, you know, now I'm going to definitely keep my day job as a radiologist and not go out as a chef, but I definitely mm-hmm. I can go now. Um, also, take criticism seriously, not personally. This is a quotation attributed to Hillary Clinton. And if you can, then you are receiving opportunities to learn. If people don't give you feedback and don't tell me where, don't tell you where you missed something, then you'll never know how you can improve. And then finally, just reflect for yourself. What lessons can you learn from your day, from yourself or others to to try to do better the next day? So I love that. Have a growth mindset. I love that. The yet, especially, especially being moms, like we want to teach our kids that they can be good at whatever they decide they want to be good at or work towards. Um, So I kind of have a personal question for you. As a mom of three girls, you probably have times, you wrote this book, you're successful, you have all these wise words. However, you probably have times where you're like, I suck, I failed, I did this wrong, I can be better. Tell me about a time that you felt like that recently and how did you get out of it? How did you like get yourself out of that mentally? 
So good. Such a good question. And the question and the answer is that which which of the many times it happened, <laughs> you know, choose from. I'll say related to this book um, in the fall, I was in the middle of doing a round of developmental edits and um, my caregiver uh, finally got COVID. Uh, she had somehow managed not to get it for so long. She got COVID. And then a couple of days later, my, my baby who's six um, had influenza. And this was like the week that I had these edits done. And I was like, oh my, this is quite interesting. And I felt very overwhelmed and not sure how I was going to get this done. And so I tried to have like a, a positive mental reframe and think like, this is a challenge. I, you know, I acknowledge it's a challenge and I am going to use it as an opportunity to test out my other lessons. Like I am just going to boil down just to the essentials. I know I have 168 hours and I can slot in those priorities. And my priorities for this week may just be about survival and nothing more. I may cut out the exercise. I may cut out the day night or double up on the margarita, whatever would be more helpful um, and get through. So for me, this this book is um, sort of my my Bible or rules for engagement. And when I feel overwhelmed, I turn back to them and follow them more more closely, actually. Yeah, I love that. And lastly, let's leave the moms with a little tip here from you because people listening sometimes can feel like, oh, wow, they're an expert. They're perfect. They know what they're doing. They know what they're saying. They live this like perfect little idea life of what they're preaching. And I want to remind people that you're just human. You're a mom. Like you, you are just like the rest of us and you're just trying to make it work. Uh, what is something that you would tell a working mom that she should focus on when she clocks out and comes home to her kids? Like, what's a piece of advice that you would give her to help her evening? Because we all know the hours between four and eight with little kids can be a little crazy. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much to say there. You know, first, again, uh, nobody is perfect. I'm not perfect and I feel overwhelmed. And that's why I, I wrote this book to you know remind me of the essentials. So I I feel your pain, Mama. I have been there. I am. I have. I am there. And I hope that you know if anything I've said during this podcast resonates with you, uh, consider you know getting the book and and learning more. And I hope it'll be helpful. So I would say to when you leave work, um, two things. One, uh, I would say most importantly, give your person give yourself permission to shut down for the day. I talk about this a little bit in my book, but I definitely have a workday shutdown ritual where I sort of go through certain items on a checklist. And when I'm done, I know like I've taken care of what I need to today and I know what I'm going to do tomorrow. And it really gives me permission to stop working and focus on my family and myself. And I need to like actively remind myself to do that because as you said, I think with many of us working from home, the boundaries between work and life are are slippery and we need to enforce them so that we can have boundaries and focus on our priorities. I love that. I have a friend, her name is Abby and she is the one of the hosts of Herself podcast. And she says in order for her to shut that like work brain off, when she comes home, she puts her phone either in airplane mode or in the bedroom. And yeah. I think that's what's important, especially people who 
uh, use their phone a lot to communicate through for work stuff. Um, I work as an ER nurse. So I feel like for me, I've been a nurse for 13 years. So for me, it's a little bit easier to like turn it off at work because I'm not going to see these patients again tomorrow. I mean, some of them you think about, right? Like you get those patients that you're constantly thinking about, but it is a lot easier. So it all depends on the job you're doing too. But I think doing something physical, like putting your phone away or leaving your bag in the car, anything that can physically remind you, like we're done now. Yes. Yes. Or as you said, some sort of transition as well. You know, if you sometimes I'll walk or run home and, or on the bus, whatever, that is like my transitional time to transition from, you know, professional to, you know, the personal domain. I love it. Well, Dr. Elizabeth, I'm so glad we had this conversation. It was super, uh, important to hear from me. And I'm excited to learn more about the things that you talk about in your book. Can you tell my listeners where we can find you and where we can find your book? Yes, absolutely. Thank you again so much for the opportunity to speak. Uh, You can find my book, First Eat Your Frog and Other Pearls for Professional Working Mothers on amazon.com and bookshop.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram at um, at Dr. Arleo, A-R-L-E-O. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave a review, subscribe to the podcast and follow on socials. I will make sure to have all the details from this episode, links and everything down below in the notes. See you next week.